Hello, today is Friday, October the 27th, and you're listening to the Grades Matter Chatter podcast presented by North Four Grains. I'm your host, Dolores Foster. I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. Jeffrey Guy. Good to see you back this week, Dolores. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I think you did the podcast from the seat of your combine last uh, last week there, Jeffrey. Uh, might have been the seat of the home office. So, Well, Jeff, we have uh, a special guest here in the office with us today, Paul Sullivan from Sullivan Agro. Always good to have Paul. Welcome today, Paul. Oh, good to be back. Missed a couple weeks there. <laughs> That's right. was, you know, not a whole lot went on in that, and you were finishing your soybeans last Wait, week, are they right? finished? Have you heard? Are Jeff's soybeans are, finished? Yeah. Right. Oh. Well, I, I'm a good custom operator. I did my customers first. Oh, so your beans aren't finished? No, no, I left my oh. beans to go. So. so what do you think, Paul? What percentage of the population is Jeff not having his beans done? Uh, probably 10. 10%? I would say somewhere in that range, but it depends on the neighborhood. Yeah, so. we got areas that there's more beans than that out there. It's you Take a drive around, you know. In your neighborhood, though, you'd be probably the exception. I'd be in the 10%. There, so or less. Or less. Oh, there's a bunch of people there. Anyway, so. <laughs> did those uh, weeds you had there, did they dry down? Oh, uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> So what I got out of that is 80 to 90% of the bean crop is harvested, potentially, yeah, the, uh, at this point. Weather has definitely has not been very harvest nice this week for people, and even going into next week, I think it's going to take a little bit for soybeans to dry back down to harvestability numbers. What, and what we had a good run there at the beginning. But. For moisture, some beans. Well, I know of... Uh, couple people that took off beans at 20% plus which put your combines away we'll get better weather you know that's pretty tough for sure oh you can't flow it costs too much to dry and stuff too for for that so absolutely but uh get them back down to that 17 range and 18 drive on get them off soon be november so Soon to be November. Almost. It's the 27th of October. I can't believe it. Halloween, but, just uh, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, that's right. Halloween. Is that another favorite day of oh, yours? Oh, yes. One of the favorites. Do there. you all dress up here at the elevator? I don't, I'm not sure, but I, I, get, I, I can almost guess what you dress up for at Halloween every year, Paul. Is it an agronomist? <laughs> I put on a different hat. You do? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Definitely always uh, one of my... Uh, one of my least used hats usually it changes every year it changes yeah. every year a halloween hat well i could probably use a north core hat if that was possible to get one and i wouldn't wear i'd wear it just regularly and not on halloween so i think we can make that work what do you think jeff <clears throat> well you you better be able to make that work so <laughs> well we uh Soybeans so soybeans are a little bit on hold, but, but corn is rolling ahead. So corn moved on this let's week. Let's talk uh, about some corn here. The fields were just damp enough for no soybeans, but lots of people combining corn. Corn yields are coming. People are seem to be happy, but we, we want to talk to Paul about that corn crop out there. What he's seeing in the field, and that you know we've seen it come in here. But uh, well, let's say let's start with just. How much corn is off? Say 10% around the country? Let's just say that for conversation. You get I think seven. <laughs> yeah, I think you're high. I think you're high. 
Yeah, it's probably high too. But, but between it's five and ten percent. Nicely started. It yeah. has nicely started, yes. yes. But the people that are combining seem to be happy. So when we had our bonus on, we were getting corn in here from twenty-three to thirty-one and a half percent. This week, I think it's down from like 23 to 28%, Dolores. That's yeah, there was a couple loads that were at 29, but not much, uh, not much uh, over that. So the moisture is coming down. Are we seeing anything? Is standability an issue this year, Paul, out in the fields? No, not yet. <clears throat> it's still standing quite well, but I think it, uh, in some of this downtime, it would make sense to uh, walk across some rows and just to double check that in fields because uh, there uh, there's always going to be fields that probably would be better in the bin versus in the field because we always talk about how uh, or every year you hear the stories how the corn plant will do everything to finish out that cob the kernels and without any frost this year, killer frost. I was going to say, here we are sitting the 27th of yeah. October and yet to see a frost. So no killer frost. So that plant still must have some green in there, like in the, in the stock that's still feeding that, uh, that cob and those kernels. Absolutely. So if it's feeding the kernels, let's get into the kernels then. Like, what's it doing for the... What is that corn plant that's still, still alive doing for... for the well, corn. <clears throat> a lot the of corn now in this area has black layered. It's black layered maybe some of it two weeks, some of it maybe only a week. Um, <clears throat> so when corn is uh, is high 20s, uh, generally it's black layered on a year like this. And uh, so, you know, from 26 to 32, the moisture is easily removed. I imagine that's kind of the case when you have corn that comes in at 28, it's easier to take it out than when it's at 22. So temperatures like we have today, even though, well, it's sunny now, but we're probably still losing some moisture today, even though it's overcast, just because the temperature is such and just the nature of the dynamics of moisture loss from, from kernels. So after black layer, does kernel weight or test weight improve? Which one? You pick. You pick it. Which one do you want? To talk I about? always like kernel weight. Kernel weight. Yeah. Kernel weight is, is different. Kernel weight is 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 mass is tons or yeah bushels if you want to be. But I like kernel weight. <clears throat> kernel weight actually won't change. Um, bushel weight will increase because you are taking moisture out, and bushel weight is volume kernel weight is grams or tons or pounds whatever you want to use so um, if you adjust to 15.5 on a kernel weight you will have that not really change at all so kernels as moisture comes out in theory kernels get a little bit smaller as moisture comes out yes kernels will get a little bit smaller but they do in improve weight because as carbon goes in and water comes out or as it makes carbon Bush, makes, bushel weight goes makes, up bushel weight goes up so which really our listeners are very interested in about because that's what their grading is based on true but uh, they should be interested in both for sure like both are important because I talked to a customer on the way here who was concerned that 
corn that was hand shelled was was slipping into a grade three corn, but it was 28, 29% out of grade three. So the discussion would be when it's dried, it likely will be a grade two. Like if it was a, is a grade three like 64? Yeah, 64 to 66 kilograms per hectoliter. So, and so, that's the theory is as you dry, you, the theory is even as corn dries down, test weight does improve. Yeah. You've just really said that too here. So, and if you're, if you're 28% in a grade three, uh, maybe you, that field's standing good. Maybe you do leave that field in the field a little bit, but that volume is so huge maybe it's good to get it off and grade three discounts are very minor what three dollars three dollars a ton it's actually two jeff yeah so it's so can, uh, can i mention like people that i met coming in here today like I, I met wayne seabrook and wayne said he's harvested over 30 crops and he's never saw 30 percent corn harvest so well well, there you go. But then again, I don't know how many how many crops Wayne has seen that have not had a killing frost to end it, where we haven't had a killing frost yet. Do you think that has the difference between combining, combining 30% naturally maturing versus a killing frost? Well, for sure, um, because if you have a killing frost when the corn is at 38%, it really, it's maybe three-quarters milk line three-quarter starch line so the bottom <clears throat> is just is just juice that has to be evaporated out if you can grow the moisture out down to 32 percent then that kernel has as much as the plant could put into it so what Wayne is saying makes total sense these kernels have great integrity they are full they're like chicklets yep. and so as such even at 30 percent the fines and handling um, will be will be just fine. So combine on, combine on. I always like to see the combines rolling. So combine on, we combine on, Garth. <laughs> That's what he said. That's going back to combine. So. And there is a big crop out there. So there is a big crop. It's better to be in the bin than left out in the field because you never know what's what the weather has in store for us going forward. So we know the kernel weight is good. The test weights generally good on the corn we've had come in here right Dolores yeah very I would say very few and we have seen a few but very few instances that we're concerned about and that's probably field specific or variety specific there's uh absolutely standability is generally good moisture is getting better is generally good check your fields so you know yield we haven't really said much about yield here yield is we do have a few test plots here that uh, people have sent in to us some seed dealers have sent in and you know they're looking at we're like north of 200 bushels at five to six ton range Paul in those those test plots when it gets over 200 I like to talk in bushels bushels yeah it sounds so much better yeah we like, like bushels 235 so. is six ton but that's just nice of you to say 235 bushels. That would be something to combine. Uh, well, and it. I saw customers plot. I can't take any credit for it, but 
it's still a customer, and it was two fifty five was the average. He's smiling. Point. I think he's taking credit for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I did tell the customer it could have been better because they planted the corn early, and then it got a big rain, and the hybrid that needed more population didn't do as well as the hybrid that needed less population. So, when you look at the test plot, there's a lot of things sometimes that may not be as it appears. So look at that. So there's a plot with yields up to 250 bushels, 255 <clears throat> bushels. That's north of North Gore where this plot is. So like even our listeners, when you go up to the Renfrew region, getting farther north, I think they're still going to be looking for some big crops in Renfrew. Absolutely. That, yep. It's some big soybean crops. And big soybean crops. So I think that's right. But So there is a little bit of a a concern out there on the corn crop this year there is actually I don't know um, who is is subscribed to get newsletters from Omafra but we got a, a newsletter from Omafra this this week talking about dawn or all, people also know it as toxins in the corn or, or vomitoxin in the corn so easy one that is uh, and basically what the gist of the email said was that it's the worst they've seen it since 2018 which is generally a bigger concern in the West. They did have a nice little map there mar marking out where the, the hot spots are, and it is generally in the Southwest, but that is something along the Seaway as well. There were a few spots here in Eastern Ontario that are and we potential do, to be concerned. We do know that uh, Greenfield has turned down a couple loads this week. They are testing for it. Absolutely. So that uh, from different areas and... Uh, have you seen any of this in the in your walks, Paul? Like the cobs open up with the visible mold on them, visible toxins? Well, we participated in that survey. We collected some of the cobs, so mm -hmm. <clears throat> some of those are from Renfrew and yep. mainly West Carlton, not too many around here. And then uh, McEwen's, John Vanish Bank Coordinated Collection further east. east yeah. And I saw the specific results for eastern Ontario and there was probably about 24 of those samples from down here and there was about three, four that were above 2%. So the rest, most of them were <clears throat> like less than 0.5. <clears throat> so, so say 10% of them had elevated <clears throat> or, or higher than <clears throat> what you would want. So yeah, there's there's a bit out there, maybe uh, a bit more than normal. We always have some, um, uh, so it's it's something that is uh, I I think related to some bird damage or western bean cutworm damage uh, where the cobs have been opened up. There's differences in genetics that uh, are are there as well. Um, as a as a general rule of thumb we typically don't get it nothing like western ontario yep. we get white mold they get like dawn and white and, mold in the soybeans they get dawn in yeah. the corn so and so from that standpoint i think for the most case like the solution for dawn is dilution and we have enough good corn that it will for the most part be a minimal problem with some isolated cases that uh, are So, there. Jeff, I guess I maybe have a marketing question for you. Do you think that maybe it's bad enough in the West this year that there's potential for some Eastern corn to have to go West to help cover? 
very rare for east corn in the east to flow west of any significant amount. We're going to the Royal next weekend. You uh, could take, we could take some corn with us. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, just like very rare. So even in 2018, they stored a lot of that corn in the west then ended up using it at the end. Uh, even keeping some of that corn stored and it went to the export market later on. So it's, I'd like to think that we'd have another market for good corn to go west, but it's highly unlikely. Generally, it doesn't corn, happen. Corn doesn't flow that direction or doesn't move that direction. For the yep. most part, everything uh, east of Toronto flows east. Flows up the flows up the seaway, yeah. not down. So yeah. the uh, that, that's um, interesting because there was a test plot that came off at Warkworth, which is not too far from Peterborough County where I grew up, and there was a hybrid that topped the plot at 306 and uh, certainly lots of uh, uh, moisture through central Ontario um, this year and uh, so from that standpoint there's some lots of corn to come down east isn't that something a 300 bushel yield in that area would just be that's pretty phenomenal well that'd be phenomenal here but like 200 there would be pretty phenomenal or like if they could average over the 200 I think they would be pretty excited oh absolutely like yeah. average farm yields through a lot of that area would would be more like 145 to 160 yeah as as a they've average. had some great uh, winter wheat yields the last couple of years last year even more than this year corn too but uh, and that is phenomenal so well i'd say drive on on the corn let's get her done let's get the beans done hopefully we get some good weather here next week to get all the beans buttoned up uh, we haven't talked much about uh, some of the seaway strikes yet jeff maybe we'll get that into that a little bit during our mar marketing talk here yep but uh yeah drive on with the corn hopefully we'll get these beans good yields buttoned up here paul shortly. says check your fields figure out which ones you want to do first and uh, yeah and one of the things that i want to I want to bring forward this week is to present you with a um, wood moisture tester, Jeff, to help you go out to check. Now, Paul, why would you bring Jeff a wood moisture tester? What well, is he supposed to do with that? What Jeff can do, and this has been a really useful tool for us this fall, um, yeah, you can go out to the cornfields and use this to check moisture, and uh, you could probably. Uh, you know, if, if you want to get away from the office, the hustle bustle that's here, you could go out and check um, Foster Farms fields to help. You can put to good use that company Actually, truck he has, I right? think I can go to some other farmers. Just give me a call and we'll come out. And, uh, <laughs> he so has if, the tools now to be able to get, get So what help. should I call this tool? Um, I would add uh, Jeff's um, moisture meter. So if yes, you're moisture meter, there we go. If you call yours, I won't. I can't quite remember. I won't. Let's see. But maybe I'll. <laughs> I'll just call this speechless. Call this. Call wow, this. this uh, call or much. something. You know. <laughs> pull you up my call. Well, you know, we can. We can. Um, I brought my marker with me, so I can kind of put on it whatever. Whatever you like. Ours has uh, Sullivan Agro, so. I, mean, I like Jeff's mo moisture meter. Jeff's I think moisture that's a meter. Good one, yeah. Jeff's. GMM. JMM. G. G. Oh, G. Yeah, I, I misspell your name, so sorry about that. Yeah, this that is a this before. is a great tour tool. Yep. So the. Uh, yes, if you have any questions about using a wood uh, moisture meter, give Paul a call because apparently you can he's use a great use advocate for this, it. Oh, use this for a drywall too. 
I'm not sure if it's the same unit or not, but uh, just be careful because you might poke yourself with the sharp end. So anyway, uh, gl glad to I'll try it out on Dolores here shortly. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you have to keep the safety latch on. That's right, go that's to right. <laughs> All right, well, Paul, we appreciate every time you come out and join us for a podcast and your wealth of knowledge and what's going on in our crops here in eastern Ontario. And, uh, um, yeah, we look forward to the next time you're able to join us. Thanks very much. It's, uh, it's always uh, entertaining. Thanks for now. So, Jeffrey, where did we end up uh, in the markets this week? Oh, un unfortunately, the well, markets were that. down. Yeah, <laughs> they were generally were down. Not down a lot, but down some. It was uh, last week they were, some of them were up a little bit, and this week it gave most of it back. Um, varied week, uh, corn's down like $5 here in this year's harvest. Soybeans were down a couple dollars. Spring wheat was down three, five dollars. Uh, winter wheat down four and five dollars. So markets were down. There was some positives during the week. Um, soybean meal was a something that was really helped soybeans for a couple days. But even the the one day they announced how strong soybean meal exports have been last the previous week, the U.S. had the, like the largest sale they've had of the year for soybean meal, and prices went down that day. I uh, I guess maybe the market's just really struggling to to find some positive things here. It's struggling when it finds something positive like soybean meal demand, it just can't run with it. So they're struggling. They talk about weather in uh, South America that they're generally getting good weather for their planting season. Harvest in the U.S. corn was up to fifty nine percent. Soybeans over seventy percent complete last Monday. They're not talking now with the harvest this far gone about decreasing yields. The analysts aren't talking right now that the USDA numbers was too strong. So you're just not hearing that scuttlebutt. So I'm thinking that means generally the harvest has been pretty good in the U.S. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always, oh, this was bad, this was great. But I'm thinking the numbers might come in close to the USDA. So that's a negative. But at the same time, prices didn't tank this week. They no. are generally on a downward trend right now, They've, but they're not tanking. Yeah, they kind of went that downward trend. So we look at what's other things affecting the market. Analysts are watching close in a lot of talk in Russia and Ukraine this week. You've Ukraine exporting through their humanitarian corridor. There was talk that was over, and then the Ukraine officials said, no, they're still doing it. It was pretty neat. I put in the blog there. I think there's something like 23 ships supposed to be in that corridor right now and they've already exported like with 30 ships but didn't really seem to affect things the middle east uh what's happening with israel and the hamas it's uh the market really isn't uh, reacting like they did with the russia and ukraine when that war first yeah started. that one but they were right in uh russia ukraine's in you know they produce crops, grains. Absolutely, but the Middle East has a lot to do with oil, which also so oil, some people say affect our markets, other people yeah, say they don't. Well, it definitely does. Oil prices jumped up here when the U.S. got involved last night mm -hmm. here, bombing into Syria, I guess, but uh, then oil prices pulled back. So generally, it's not having an effect just the way it is. So let's get on to locally. What's happening locally? Well, we talked with Paul. The combines are rolling. Combines are rolling, so that's a positive. Keep the combines rolling. Get the corn off. 
We did allude a little bit earlier, too, with Paul about the Seaway strike, which is happening right now. That's maybe more on the negative side of things. That is a negative. So the Port of Johnstown will be full this coming week of soybeans. They're limited on loads this week, which is very sad. What does that mean for guys that just deliver to, like, the elevators here locally? So every elevator is going to get more soybeans in. Yields have been generally good for soybeans. So there's more soybeans out there this year to come in. And then also with that, there's less places to take them. So with the Seaway close, you can't get the exports down through the Port of Johnstown. So that there's more pressure on the local elevators like ourselves to hold soybeans. And with less places to take them, it only makes sense that local basis levels will decrease. So that means less money for the farmers. Well, that's not very good news, Jeffrey. No, that's kind of a negative here at the end. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, that's just the way it is. But uh, being still just under $600 at the close here uh, this week. So still that $600 is a pretty nice number. That is pretty, so, pretty good. Pretty good. Anyhow, hopefully we'll have better news next week. So Thanks for tuning in. Hope everyone has a great weekend. We will be open here at the office. Just give us a call for our hours. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye for now.